pretty much every single piece of advice on saving money on food revolves around cooking. But what if you're just not a cook? Then this podcast is for you. If you're new here, my name is Lindsay. I'm a financial therapist, founder of Mind Money Balance, and today I am answering a question from somebody who submitted an Ask Mind Money Balance question. This podcast listener wrote, Dear Mind Money Balance, I'm a single person in my late 20s and I'm starting to get a hang of my spending plan. Thanks for the tip. I'm not calling it a budget. You're welcome. Food, specifically eating out and carry out, are my largest non-fixed expenses that I need help with. I live in a good-sized city, and there are so many good restaurants nearby. I love being able to support mom-and-pop-owned businesses, including restaurants. Everything I read and listen to about saving on food revolves around cutting back on your grocery expenses and cooking at home. But here's the thing. I hate cooking. Like, I would rather do almost any chore except cook. Please don't tell me the only option to save money on food is to learn how to cook. Help! Signed, Cook Averse. Well, Cook Averse, good news. There are so many ways to save money that don't involve learning how to cook, becoming a gourmet chef, or committing yourself to spending hours every single weekend on food prep. I'm going to give you a bunch of different tips on how to save money without having to become a cook. And if you're listening and this question sort of applies to you, but maybe you do like to cook, but you live in a studio apartment that has a one burner stove and it's really not conducive to cooking, or maybe you just work a job where you are busy all the time and can't be bothered, or you're at a season of your life where you're chasing around little kids and don't have the time to cook, then these tips will also be helpful for you. Let's just acknowledge that food is super expensive, and it's one of the biggest expenses that Americans cite. According to the 2022 Bureau of Labor Statistics, the three top expenses for most Americans are housing, transportation, and then food. As we get into how to save money on food, the first thing I want you to do is look at your trash can. Not like Is it a stainless trash can? Is it under the sink trash can? I'm talking about what's in it. What food at the end of each week are you tossing into the trash can? Or if you're lucky enough to have city compost, what are you throwing into compost? And if you're feeling a little embarrassed about the amount of food you're throwing away, Sadly, you're not alone. According to Recycle Track Systems, almost 40% of the amount of food that's produced in the United States ends up in the trash. This ends up being about 325 pounds of food per person every single year that we throw in the garbage. They help us to visualize how much food we're actually tossing by imagining 975 apples just filling up a giant trash can. That's how much food we're throwing away. And instead of beating ourselves up, I invite us to maybe just stop buying the things that we throw away in the first place. Oftentimes, a lot of us do aspirational shopping when it comes to groceries and we buy more greens than we consume or we think that our week is going to give us the time to cook a giant batch of soup. But take a look at what you're throwing out or what you're composting every single week and make a note to yourself to stop buying those things rather than beating yourself up and saying like, oh, I should be the type of person who eats giant salads, or I should be the type of person who cooks X, Y, and Z. Honor who you are and what is going on in your life and stop buying the things that you find yourself throwing out at the end of every single fridge cleanup. 
The second thing, look for lunch specials. Cookiverse, you wrote in your letter that you live in a city that has a lot of amazing food. And with that amazing food comes amazing deals. Oftentimes, not only are lunchtime specials cheaper, but they usually are a little bit bigger. They usually come with a soup or a salad or some type of side that can really make your meal a little bit larger. And then see if you can divvy up the amount of food that you buy for lunch and split it into two meals and make that your lunch and dinner. If you can't split up that lunch special into two meals, at least take advantage of the lunch special and savings on lunch. The third tip is to figure out what your go-tos can be for easy assembly meals. I'm thinking about things like breakfast and lunch that are ready to go and involve no cooking and minimal assembly. Things like cereal, oatmeal, and smoothies for breakfast, and things like sandwiches and salads for lunch. You don't have to be a cook to be able to rinse up some veggies and put them in a bowl with some dressing. You don't have to be a cook to be able to put meat and cheese on a piece of bread. And if you're like, oh, those things are so boring, really look into making your food more flavorful. Oftentimes when we are assembling things at home, we forget that the reason a salad tastes so good when we go out to eat is not only does somebody else do all the chopping of the salad, but they add things like a fresh squeeze of lemon to really brighten that meal and freshen it up, or they add some fresh herbs on top. Even if you're not a cook, you can cut a lemon in half and squeeze it on top of your salad to bring that zest or bring that brightness. If you are not a fresh herb person, you can grab those dried shakers. A lot of those dried shakers of herb blends, a lot of them are specifically blended for things like a Mediterranean flavor palette or a Szechuan palette, and those things can be really good. Similarly, on your sandwiches to make it feel a little bit more exciting, if you have a toaster oven, if you have an oven, you can throw your sandwich in the toaster oven or under the broiler for a couple of minutes to get things like nice and toasty and warm, and then it elevates it from being a cold, sad lunch meat sandwich to kind of a fancy panini or open face sandwich. If even cutting a lemon or buying a seasoning blend is too out of of your element. When it comes to making these types of meals more restaurant worthy, I also think it's worth asking the restaurant that you love if they sell things like their dressings or like their spice mixes, and you know the flavor profile that you like of a restaurant that you frequent, see if they will sell you some or tell you how they make it. That way you can replicate it at home. Okay, number four is being really mindful about which different method you're going to get your takeout food. I'm thinking about going out and sitting down to eat versus getting food delivered versus ordering carryout. Each of them have their pros and cons, but generally speaking, going out to eat, unless you're doing something like a fast casual, is going to be more expensive because you want to make sure that you have enough money to financially compensate the servers and the staff with a generous tip. So generally speaking, going out to eat is going to be more expensive than delivery or carryout. Think through your delivery order or your carryout order. Take notice of when there are specials if you're able to pick up versus having delivery. Just take an extra second to think through whether you can walk a couple of blocks and pick up carryout or whether there's some place near your work where you're out and about that you can pick up carryout that might be cheaper than sitting down to eat. Same thing goes with delivery. Every now and then those delivery apps will have flash sales where they waive the delivery fee or where they drop the minimum amount needed in order to get delivery. So just take notice of it. Not all ways of dining out are the same and ordering carryout are the same. So just take an extra second to see which makes the most financial sense 
months for you. Number five, be mindful of saving money by adding more to your cart. This is specifically for those food delivery apps that usually have some sort of minimum required in order to waive something like a delivery fee or an app fee. Usually we say like, oh, I'm $5 shy of having that delivery fee waived. I know what I'll do. I'll just add on a side or I'll add on a dessert. But usually what you're doing is adding up more than it would cost to have that delivery fee. So again, just be thoughtful and intentional. They design those apps in that way on purpose to help you bump up the amount of money that you spend to feel like you're getting delivery for free. Number six, if you frequent a chain restaurant or a chain fast casual place, take a look for sales on gift cards or gift card deals. If you are a member of a big box store, for example, like Costco, oftentimes they will have packs of gift cards where you can save 10, 15, or 20% if you buy them through Costco. So if you know you're going to be getting a ton of one specific type of restaurant food and you eat there all the time, then buy them at a discount. Another option is to look for gift card resellers. There are entire platforms dedicated to people who sell their gift cards online for a discount. For example, somebody might have $15 to a restaurant that they don't use, and so they sell it on this online marketplace for $10, so that way they get $10 that they can use how they want, and you, lucky gift card purchaser, get $15 toward a specific restaurant at a discount as well. It's very much a win-win. Check it out, especially if you are the type of person who frequents a handful of the same types of restaurants and you know what you like. Number seven is a multi-bullet point type of response. Look for deals. I know you might already be looking for restaurant deals, but much like the conventional wisdom to save on groceries is to do things like clip coupons, I kind of want you to do that for going out to eat. Look for deals on certain days. I live in a town where there are $2 pizza slices on Tuesdays. If you're a big pizza person, you could grab a handful of slices. I mean, these are like giant New York style fold over pieces of pizza that you could throw in the fridge and eat for a couple of days. That's amazing. Look for any sort of food happy hours. Oftentimes in between the lunch and dinner rush, there will be happy hours for food because honestly, that's when restaurants are not quite as busy. So you could look for food-based happy hours. When it comes to other ways to save, look for sales or deals in those final hours of bakeries or grocery stores. And again, I'm not gonna make you cook. Don't worry, I promise. But at a couple of the local grocery stores by me, the last two hours of the day, they highly discount all of their baked goods and all of their pre-made salads and sandwiches. So you can go in those last two hours of the day and get food for 20, 30, 50% off that you might have missed out on earlier. The same thing goes with bakeries. I used to live walking distance from an amazing bakery, and after 6 p.m., anything was 50% off. So I would go there at night and just like stock up on my bread for the week. So if you're a sandwich person, or you're a breakfast pastry person, or you like a pre-made sandwich, check out some of those places to get good deals. Also check for what groups you might belong to that give you a discount. Oftentimes restaurants, in particular, 
when you're ordering through like an app or something like that, you can select a box that says you're military, you're a student, or you're a member of the AARP or 55 or older. Usually you can save anywhere from 5 to 15% if you're a member of one of those groups and it pays to be loyal. Make sure you have a digital punch card for those frequented restaurants, making sure that you're getting a free meal or a discounted meal after you buy six or 10 or whatever the number might be. But make sure that you're using those discounts and taking advantage of whatever discount you have available to you based on what type of group you're in. Number eight is a low cook method, so bear with me. I love to bulk up some skimpy leftovers with readily available pantry items. For example, if you have a little bit of protein left from a restaurant or from takeout, but it's not enough to be a full meal, look to your pantry for things like quinoa, rice, beans, or in your fridge for things like lettuce that you can add that leftover protein to in order to round out a more hearty meal. And if you're like, I hate cooking quinoa and rice, then you can buy those little packages that are microwavable, you know, 90 seconds, two minutes, that type of thing. Beans, all you have to do is buy them canned, rinse them out. Lettuce, you can buy pre-chopped. It doesn't matter, but you can bulk up a little bit of leftovers with some things that you already have available to you. Number nine, get comfortable with a little spontaneity or a little bit of mystery in your food. Cook Averse, you mentioned you live in a big city, so this is something that I wish I had in my mid-sized city. These are different services such as Too Good To Go or Flash Food. There may be more services like this once this video comes out, but these are services that partner with places like bakeries, restaurants, grocery stores to say, hey, that food that you're about to throw into the dumpster or compost at the end of the day, you can still sell for a discount to people who like your type of food. The way that it works is that these kind of food tech apps will partner with a bakery. For the purpose of this illustration, I'm going to use a bakery. Too Good To Go or Flash Food will say, hey, bakery, do you want to enroll in our program? At the end of the day, you can sell a mixed assortment of baked goods to somebody else who's on the app for $10. And the way that it works is you would have that app and you would opt in to get notified of bakeries when they're getting ready to toss their leftovers and instead you can buy them for $10. It's a cool way to keep food out of the landfills to make sure that these local restaurants are getting money for food that they would be tossing anyway and for you to potentially expand your palate a little bit especially if you're not a cook and you want to try new things but you get them at the discount. The reason I say you have to be comfortable with a little bit of spontaneity is that it's a grab bag. The restaurant owner or bakery owner in this case decides what goods do they feel comfortable selling at a steep discount? These types of things are amazing. Check them out. Flash food is more used for grocery stores and too good to go is usually used for restaurants, but I've seen them kind of go both ways. Number 10 is to swap. Cook Averse, you mentioned that you would rather do almost any chore aside from cook. So maybe put your money where your mouth is. Sorry, I couldn't help it. If you have a friend who loves to like cook, maybe they're amazing at prepping soup or prepping salads and they hate doing laundry, you could literally offer to them like, hey, I'm going to come over with all of my ingredients for soup. I literally can't be bothered to cook, but I will be in your laundry room for two hours 
sorting, folding, drying, ironing, whatever you need, if you could make me a giant pot of soup or a giant Tupperware of salad. You can think about the types of things that you and your friends are willing to swap for or trade for. And that way your friend who loves to cook can do this service for you. And they also have clean laundry at the end of that couple of hours. So think creatively about the different types of things you might be able to do in exchange for leveraging somebody else's skill set or things that they like to do anyway. Now, cook averse, I know you mentioned that you are single and in your letter you didn't mention if you have kids but the last tip I'll say is that many restaurants will offer kids eat for free days as long as an adult buys a meal so maybe that's not you but maybe somebody else listening does have a kid make sure that when possible your kid is getting a free meal number 12 freezer food <laughs> freezer food has gotten so much better than it was when I was growing up in the 90s and freezer food was really just like that scary plastic tray with like maybe a vegetable, something that looked like protein and a supposed dessert that was really just like dry essence of chocolate. Like things have gotten so much better. It is so much cheaper to buy a five, seven or $8 freezer meal than to eat out all the time. So take a look at your freezer section and see if there are some freezer meals that actually appeal to you. They don't require cooking. They might require a microwave, an oven or a toaster oven, but I promise you that things have gotten better. And if you've been avoiding your freezer section, check it out, especially because when it comes to things like fruits and veggies, the way that things are frozen as fruits and veggies preserves all of their nutrients. So they're pretty much as good for you as a fresh off the tree fruit or vegetable. I don't think any vegetables grow on trees, but you know what I mean. Thanks so much for writing in. If you want me to answer your question, just go to mindmoneybalance.com slash ask and I might answer it right here. So those are some of my favorite tips on saving money on food without having to become a cook because let's be honest, not all of us are cooks, nor should we have to kind of squash ourselves into doing something that we're not very good at or we don't like doing just to save money. There are plenty of ways to save money on food without having to tie yourself up into a pretzel to become somebody you're not. I'll catch you in the next podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast player. This quick but meaningful action helps to support the show and helps others discover it too. I love connecting with my listeners. So if something resonated, take a screenshot of the episode and tag me over on Instagram at mindmoneybalance. This podcast simply wouldn't be possible without the help of others. I want to thank RJ Basio, who edits this podcast, and Liberty Sales, who helps market the show to help people who need it find it. The cover art and episode art design is by Jenny H. Design. Disclaimer, everything on this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Neither the host or guests are rendering legal, financial, accounting, mental health, investing, medical, or other professional advice. If you want professional help, please seek it out.